0: Move me to the shade. We're good. Thank you, Al. So join me in 1 Samuel. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we have the the time and the ability, the place, Lord, to gather and go through it together. We pray this in your precious name. Amen. Boy, we're jumping back 3,000 years, guys. 3,000 years. And, um, you know, this is a different time. It's a different place. It's not the you know, United States of A. You know, it's, it's different. And yet we're going to see that the things that are experienced in people's lives back then and their relationship with the Lord and His faithfulness, that does not change because God never changes. God never changes. So, uh, you know, uh, 3,000 years ago in verse 1... There was a certain man of Ramathim Zophrim, of the mountains of Ephraim. This guy was a mountain man. I think we can relate. This was this was a, this was a guy from the country. And his name was Elkanah, the son of Jehoram, the son of Elihu, the son of Tuhu, the son of Zuf. I like that name, and Ephraimite. And he had two wives. Uh, that's a recipe for trouble. You know, a lot of people want to talk about polygamy today. It's never, it's, uh, it happens in the Bible. God never says, hey, this is, the way to, this is the way to do it. You always see problems when people have multiple wives. Um, and I feel like I could say a lot there, but uh, it's, it's not all the lady's fault. It's just a bad setup from the very beginning. And he, and he had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, which means favored. And the name of the other was Peninnah. Peninnah means ruby. Peninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. Let's step back for a second and just look at the time. Yeah, this was 3,000 years ago, but what was Israel like 3,000 years ago? Well, you guys know Moses, right? Hopefully you do. Then there was Joshua, the guy that he kind of passed command to, and the Lord... The Lord filled Joshua with his spirit, said, be strong and courageous. I'm going I'm I'm to use you in a great way to lead this nation. And Joshua, Joshua struggled with that transition, being called to replace Moses and lead the people. But Joshua did a pretty good job. At the end of the book of Joshua, there's a line that says that when Joshua died, the people continued to follow the Lord until all of the elders that had lived during Joshua's time passed away too. That is quite a ministry to have. That everybody, when when you're around, people are following the Lord. But then even when you leave, the people that were around when you did, they're still having the same effect you did. It's kind of like the New Testament where it says, you know, Paul tells Timothy, and trust what was given to you by faithful men, and trust that to faithful men also. Like, let's keep this thing going, pour into other guys. And Joshua did, but a time came after Joshua's uh, departure and the men that served with him when Israel began to just do whatever they wanted to do. Whatever seemed right in their own eyes, that's what they would do. You know, I talk to my kids a lot about that. You know, there's ways that we feel, there's things that we think, and we just, we go after those things, we do those things, and we say, well, it seemed like the right thing to do at the time. And that's how the nation of Israel was. If you want to look at a, a hard time in Israel's history, not maybe not the hardest, but look at the book of Judges you'll see seven distinct cycles of men raised up to deliver a nation that whenever things are good, they go back to doing exactly what they want and living the way they want to. You know, uh, some of the last stories in Judges are almost so bad, so horrible, so graphic and despicably wicked that I would hesitate. I mean, we would because we're verse by verse. We, we go through that way, but I would hesitate to say them in mixed company because they are disgusting the way that a nation goes when they reject God and they decide that they know better than God what's right. Man, that sounds utterly familiar, doesn't it? Sounds like today. Sounds like a lot of other nations and times. So that's kind of a little bit of background. You know, there had been all of these judges, guys like Gideon, guys like Samuel, guys like Jephthah, you know, um, and that's another book for another time. But here we are. And we, we start with this mountain man called Elkanah who has two wives, one Hannah, one Peninnah. Hannah's name means favored, favored one, but she don't have any children. For a Jewish woman, that was, that was like the worst fate that you could possibly have, maybe other than being a widow and your husband dying, leaving you alone. You know, uh, it was common belief in that culture, not taught by Scripture, but it was commonly held that if you did not have children as a woman, There was something wrong with you something wrong that you did and that's just what everybody thought and it was hard to shake that even though the bible didn't say it hannah's name meant favored but she felt like she wasn't favored by god let's keep reading this man went elkanah went up from his city which is quite a hike yearly to worship and sacrifice to the lord of hosts in shiloh now the tabernacle the ark of the covenant you know the Levites and all of them; they were gathered in Shiloh at this time, so they had a temple set up. But as we'll see, man, it was it was a rotten place; it was corrupt. Um, but nonetheless, Elkanah and his wives, you know, and their family, they they believed that the Lord wanted them to go, nonetheless, and they made the sacrifice and 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 and, 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 and took on the cost of going up every year to worship and sacrifice, not the temple system, not those guys, not the leadership that was there. They came to worship the Lord. They did that yearly. And it says also the sons of Eli, that's the high priest, Eli, Hophni and Phinehas uh, were the two sons of him. Were the priests of the Lord were there. We're gonna hear a lot about them later, not so much today, but just remember those names. Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas. And listen, when, whenever the time came for Elkanah, that's the husband, guys, the mountain man, to make an offering, a peace offering, he would give portions of that offering to Peninnah, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. And, you know, we try to read the Bible closely, so all her sons and daughters, that means she's got at least four kids, to Hannah's nun. you know? So... When Elkanah would offer a peace offering, there was a portion that went to the Lord, there was a portion that went to the person offering, and he would give some to Peninnah and to her kids, and they would get to eat that. It was kind of an enjoyable thing, you know. You go up and you barbecue, and some goes to the Lord, some goes to you. But to Hannah, verse 5, he would give a double portion. Listen, for he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. You now here we read that the Lord is the one that closed her womb, and I would say he's the one that closed her womb, and he's the one that's gloriously going to open her womb at the right time, in his timing, in his way, for his purpose, right? You know, she doesn't see it at this point, but I, we're going to read, uh, you know, some things about Elkanah that you guys might, especially you women here, you might read and you might think, man, that guy's kind of a dud, but let, let's just start out. From the very beginning, they barbecue, he gives his His wife, Hannah, the one that can't have kids, twice as much food. I mean, that's love right there. You know, it says that he loves her, and I believe he did. That's the second thing I like about Elkanah. People like to rag on Elkanah, but I actually kind of find myself liking him, realistically liking him. Um, I'll explain myself in a minute. He gave her a double portion, verse 5. He loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. And listen to this, verse 6. And her rival... This is why you don't have two wives, because the other wife is her rival. Panina is her rival, also provoked her severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. And so it was year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her. Therefore, she wept and did not eat. Now, I don't want to stop all the time, make all these tiny little points, guys. But here's the thing that I saw, you know, Hannah, Panini, Peninnah, whatever her name is, and Elkanah. They're headed every, once a year to go to the tabernacle. Let's just say it's church. And it's in transit. It's on the way to gather with the people of God that Hannah gets the worst from Peninnah. She gets the worst. She comes here and gets the worst on the way, and then while she's there. And I I, I can, I mean, it doesn't say, but I can almost imagine Peninnah Ninnah saying, um, oh, I... I guess the Lord doesn't love you. Why do you even worship him? He doesn't give you a child. He doesn't care about you. Obviously, I'm doing something right. We don't know what she said other than it made Hannah go almost insane with grief and guilt and anxiety and and all of these things. Like, it hurt. And every time they were going to the temple, Hannah had that to look forward to. This girl's going to walk with me the whole way up and trash-talked me the whole way there, and the whole time we're there, and the whole way home. But she went, because she was going for the Lord. She was going for the Lord. I love that about Hannah. I like a lot of things about Hannah. I named my daughter Hannah, you know? I'm a Sam, she's a Hannah. There's something special there, right? Story for another time, maybe I'll tell it uh, another week, but how we came to have that name for our daughter, our seven-year-old. Verse 8, then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, to Hannah, he says, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than ten sons? He says this to his wife that can't have kids. I mean, you might think, man, that, that is, that's a new low for this mountain man. But look, he loves her. He gives her double portions. And he notices, at least he notices that she's upset. And one of the things that I like about Alcana and this exchange is that Alkana knows, I mean, he knows he can be good to his wife, but look, there's a limit of what your spouse can do for you. Your spouse can't be Jesus for you. Your spouse can't save you. Your spouse can't even sanctify you. You know, your spouse is not the Holy Spirit. Your spouse is not God. And Alkana knows that and Hannah knows it. And I think, you know, although I think it's kind of a dumb thing for a guy to say, you know, Am I not better to you than ten sons? I mean, he doesn't really understand the depth of his wife's hurt, but at least he's trying. A lot of guys that don't try. At least Alkanah's trying. We're going to see some more of that as things go. But he sees his wife as soon as they're, let's just say, at church or at the tabernacle. Man, she's down in the dumps, and he notices. He's paying attention to this girl, and that's that's love, you know? But what Alkanah can't do is make the hurt go away. You know, the double portions, the love, the, the conversation, the noticing, that's all great. But Hannah's experiencing a poverty of spirit that only one person can change. And that's the Lord. And that's why she's going to Shiloh. I love that about her. So Hannah, they would sit down, they would feast, and she just didn't feel like eating. Go figure. So Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. And now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. We're going to find out later that Eli is a big dude. He likes to sit down and he's pretty old at this point. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me, And not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child. Then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. And no razor shall come upon his head. That's like a Nazarite vow. We're going to kind of skip over some of those details. But just to step back and say, all of this time, Hannah's been praying. You guys remember Sarai and Abram, right? Their names meant something before God stepped in and changed their names to Sarah, princess, and Abraham, father of a multitude. You know, Abram's name all those years before he had Isaac for a son was exalted father, Abram. And he would go, you remember when the Lord spoke to him one time? It was outside looking up at the night sky. You know, Abram came from Ur in the Chaldeans. You know what God they worshiped there? They worshiped the sin God. It's not, it's not, there's nothing like sin and sin, no. But it was called the sin God, and they worshipped the moon. And he would go out. Think of how many times Abram and Sarai went out, and they prayed to the moon for a child. And then one night, Abram is standing out in front of the stars, and God, the real God, shows up, and he says, I'm going to make your descendants more than all the stars that you see. The moon's right there in all of its glory. Abraham stopped praying to the moon. God says, I'm going to change your name from exalted father to father of multitude. You're going to watch me perform something in your life that you cannot do for yourself. You know, barrenness is an interesting thing because a mom can't just say, oh, I'm barren. I'm going to try harder. I'm going to make it happen. There's a part that we can contribute. And then there's the wholeness of what only God can do. That's what Hannah is experiencing. And she's been praying for years, literally years. I mean, if Panini has four kids, she's been praying for a while, right? But what has she heard? I think Hannah's probably feeling like she's been forgotten. And we're going to hear that in what she says and how she prays. And I think, you know, I think she's an amazing girl. I think it's an amazing thing when people, despite pain, despite anguish, despite grief, pray and get in front of the Lord anyway. Not with a lot of people around them watching, but they do it alone, and it's real. You know, what we hear right here is so real of of Hannah. Would you remember me? Well, God's never forgotten, but that's what she feels like, and so that's what she says. Sometimes I think we try to pray in ways like that are all theological, but they're not really true to how we're really feeling. You know, they're not true to our experience. And you know what? That's a disservice to God because he knows how we really feel and what we're really thinking about. And like Psalm, what is it? I think it's, is it 62? I think it's 62 says, that's not something to voice to the multitudes, like to spread around all of our grief and all of our pain. It's something to get alone with God and complain to him alone. I, and I did use the word "complain," and Hannah's going to use that word. Her complaint went before the Lord. So just to understand that, uh, boy. I got something to read. It's not out of the Bible, but it's worth reading. So we we've got a friend whose little girl has a very serious cancer. I just want to read something she shared. She said, "I'm thankful God doesn't filter my prayers through a theological shredder before He listens, because they don't sound like the prayers of the faithful." They are weak prayers, hopeless, despairing prayers, angry prayers, questioning and unbelieving prayers. When I sat beside my daughter, I didn't know what to say. I don't know what to say, but I remembered all the times Jesus worked miracles and said, your faith has made you well. So that's what I prayed, that her faith, her daughter's faith would make her well. The faith of a girl asking her mom to pray with her because her own mouth is too swollen to speak. The faith of a girl who hasn't blamed God for her cancer, but wants to invite him into it. I laid my hands on her face and I begged God to heal her. The word says his spirit and his power live in me. So my hands are your hands, Jesus, and you healed with your hands. So heal her with mine. And I left faithless, unbelieving, wondering if God answers the prayers of someone who screamed at him for an hour about what it actually means to be a good father. But then my daughter got up out of bed, did a lap around the floor, saw the fish tank, drew on her whiteboard. She woke up today wanting to talk and Wanting to walk and trying to brush your own hair drew pictures of unicorns and FaceTime me It's not a mountain moving miracle, but it's something slow. Healing is still healing We need all the wins we can get and I, I read that this week and I thought immediately of Hannah a lady that was so broken inside You know she goes to a corrupt church She goes along the people that are coming with her church are way worse than your husband or wife that gives you a hard time riding in right and yet she's there before the Lord saying, this is how it really is. Would you please, Lord? You know, and the Lord, you guys have heard of this. Sometimes he says no to our prayers. Sometimes he says yes. Most often in my life, he says, hold on. I'm going to do something bigger than what you can even imagine. And, you know, that's painful. I got to admit, I don't like it. I don't think most of us like it. I don't think this lady likes it. Um, I don't think Hannah liked it, right? But she was, she was straight up honest with the Lord. Listen to uh, how she is received. Think of her at a church service. I know it's hard to think of a tabernacle and a high priest, but think of her at a church service. She comes up and she is praying, but she's praying silently. In verse 12, and it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli watched her mouth. He's the high priest. He's sitting down kind of observing things. Now Hannah spoke in her heart. Only her lips moved. But her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she was drunk. Right? That's who uh, I guess was typically around the temple back in the day—people that showed up drunk, people that showed up—I well, don't know. But that's what Eli thought. Can you imagine having that be your prayer, and then the, the the pastor, the priest coming over and saying, "Hey, you drunk? You've been drinking?" Can you imagine how hard that would, how bad that would hurt to be misunderstood like that? But nonetheless, she doesn't say, I'm done with this. I'm done with the Lord. I'm, I'm out of here. Nothing but trouble. But she, she bears her heart even to Eli. He says, put your wine away from you. How long will you be drunk? But Hannah said, verse 15, she said, no, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have, I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink. But I have poured out my soul before the Lord. When's the last time you've done that? When's the last time we've done that alone with the Lord? Man, it's something that has to happen all the time. There's weighty things through this world. There's hard things we go through. It's something the Lord longs for. He longs for us to do that with Him. But we're, we're sometimes too neat and tidy with our prayers. Hannah says she poured out her soul before the Lord. She said, do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman. For out of the abundance, notice this, guys, of my complaint and grief, I have spoken until now. It's okay to say to the Lord, I don't get it. I don't understand. I don't like it. I need your help. This is hard. This hurts. Help me. Think the Lord is going to turn away somebody that's asking him that? Some of us feel deeply, and the Lord can handle it. We can't always handle it with each other, but the Lord can handle all of it. Then Eli said, I think he's kind of backpedaling here, he accused this lady of being drunk, and then he says, whoa, 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 you know, verse 17, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition, which you have asked of him. Does Eli even know what the petition was exactly? No. And he doesn't need to know. But the Lord spoke through Eli. And I'm not even sure Eli really totally got the Lord was speaking through him. Eli's got some problems. We're going to find out all about them. Um, But Eli says, go in peace. You know, God is going to grant your petition. And you know what's amazing? Hannah, before anything changes, before her situation changes, she hears what she believes is the word of God spoken to her, and she says, that's it. My hope is in that right there. And she puts all her faith and her trust and her hope in a couple of words from a bum priest that can't even control his sons. And we're going to find out more about Eli, like I said. But she takes that as if it's from the Lord. And I know that she took it as if it's from the Lord. She said, let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and then she started eating in her face was no longer sad. Who are you asking to understand your hurt? I would start with the Lord and pour out your complaint before Him. Because He's gonna get it. He made you after all. He's gonna get it better than anybody else. You may find people that are helpful to talk to. But we see something in Hannah, man, she is in it to hear from the Lord. And when she does, it's gold. And she's gonna she's gonna build her life upon that. And we'll see that verse 19. Then she rose early in the morning, you know, after grieving, after pouring out her her heart, and she worshipped before the Lord. She counted what he said, you know, what Eli said he was gonna do as good as done, even before it happened. And that's faith, guys. And and they returned and came to their house at Ramah. Now remember Ramah. And I'll tell you at the end why. That's just where. That's where Hannah's going to live her whole life. And Elkanah knew Hannah, that's sexually. They got together. Hannah's wife and the Lord remembered her. Look, why does it say that the Lord remembered her? Did the Lord forget? No. From Hannah's perspective, the Lord had. But that's not the reality of the situation. You know, Caleb had a birthday. Caleb's my, was he, three? Yeah, he's three years old. His, on his third birthday, we bought him... a. Uh, We bought him one of them little, every little boy wants one of these, like a little four-wheeler that's battery-powered. It goes like half a mile an hour. So cool when you're that little and so lame when you get older. Uh, But, you know, we did all his presents, right? And he'd asked specifically for that. And we had a big box, but we kept that hidden, right? So we give him a couple other little presents and comes to the end. I know what this little three-year-old's thinking. He's thinking, they forgot. They forgot. All I wanted was this four-wheeler. They forgot. And then we, we go in the back, back room. We bring it out. He's like, they remembered. That's Hannah. We're just waiting for the best time. We're waiting for the best time. And that's what, you know, what did Hannah long for? She longed for a son. But what specifically about her son that she really longed for? That the Lord, through this process of waiting, brought out in her. She longed for a great son. She longed for a son that was going to affect her nation and her family and history. She longed for the opportunity to pour into a little boy that was going to go somewhere and do something for the Lord, to live a godly life. That's what she really longed for. And had she just had babies right away, she was a godly lady, I'm sure. She would have done a great job. But the Lord almost teased out this, this greater desire in her for her son's future by making her wait. It's just something special. And are those all the reasons that God makes us wait? I'm not God. He knows what He's doing. I can trust Him when He says wait, though it be hard. right? I can trust Him when He says no, though it's difficult. right? Hannah's learning that real time, guys. It came to pass, verse 20, in the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son and called his name Samuel, saying, because I have asked him from the Lord... For him from the Lord. Now Samuel means "asked of God," but in today's today's English language, it means "gift of God." That's what I always tell my wife. Say, "I am a gift to you, honey." That's what my name means, "gift of God," and she always laughs just like that. I don't understand it, but uh, you know that's her reaction to. But you know, the Lord gave this gift to Hannah, and we're going to see that Hannah, though we don't read specifically of how she taught and instructed. Her son, we're going to see in just a couple of years, she poured into this boy in ways that most of us, we will, we, we'll, I don't even know how to say it. She invested big time in this little boy. And though she only is going to have him for a few years, man, her impact in little Samuel's life is going to be huge. Now the man, verse 21, Elkanah and all his house went up to the offer to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice in his vow. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, Not until the child is weaned, then I will take him, that he may appear before the Lord and remain there forever. So Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Do what seems best to you. Wait until you've weaned him. Only let the Lord establish his word. Then the woman, Hannah, stayed and nursed her son until she had weaned him. Now what is what is Hannah preparing to do? She is preparing to give Back to God, the gift that she's received. Man, if you don't understand that, you may not understand Christianity, because Jesus Christ died to give you a gift, to change your heart, and the whole living it out is us saying, "You need a piece of this gift that you gave me." It's not right for me to just hoard salvation, hoard blessing, hoard truth. I wanna, I wanna live this for you too, and that's what Hannah is deciding. She's saying, "This is a gift." But, you know, in the, in the Gospels, you try to save your life, what will you do? You'll lose it. And if you give your life away, you'll find it. You'll get it. And that's what Hannah has decided to do. Nobody had to tell her to do it. She didn't have to be told to do it. That's something that came alive in her own heart. And look, why I said Rama was important. Look, Hannah's going to live in Rama her whole life. And as Samuel is going to spend a season under Eli... Growing up and being useful, he's going to become a judge. He's going to become one of the greatest figures in the whole Bible. But you know where Samuel makes his home? Despite going on a circuit and being a judge in Israel, he makes his home at Ramah. And who's at Ramah? Mama's at Ramah. Yeah, Mama's at Ramah. And he is going to enjoy a time with her. I think that every time she saw Samuel coming back from judging, she said, this is exactly what my heart desired, even though if I hadn't had to wait for that, I might have settled for something less. That's what I wanted. That's what I wanted. Man, God gave her the desire of her heart, even though she probably didn't know exactly what that was. Now, how long did she wean him? We're, Jess is nursing a baby right now. We got other ladies nursing, right? And I just, I just think that she, she nursed him a long while. Uh, like five, six. I mean, some commentators say three, but I'm thinking like until he was talking and asking for a drink, you know, like until it got weird, right? That's just my take. Sorry if that offends anybody. Um, now, when it came time, verse 24, she had weaned him. She took him up with her. Uh, I think it's with one bull. Uh, it says three in my Bible, but I think it's just one. One efaf, um or a three-year-old bull, some translations say. One ephah of if that's how you say it, a flower and a skin of wine and brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young. A lot of people think three or four. And then they slaughtered a bull, the bull that she brought. and they And she brought the child to Eli. Now, let me let me let me put this in perspective. I think these first three or four years, Hannah did something for Samuel that was incredible. She taught him things about the Lord as a little person that he carried with her for the With him for the rest of her life. But then at three or four, what does she do? She takes him to a corrupt high priest and says, I'm going to trust you with my son. Who's she really trusting? The Lord. The Lord. That's just amazing to me. That's one of the most amazing things because Phineas and Hophni, Eli's sons, are so nasty, they're lying with women that come to the tabernacle, they're stealing offerings from people, and they're saying, if you don't give it to us, we'll take it by force. We're, they're, they're a bunch of bullies, right? But Hannah says, I trust the Lord, and I know Eli is going to be a part of this, guy's, this little boy's life, and so she takes him to Eli. And she said, verse 26, Oh my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood by you here, praying to the Lord. For this child, I pray, this is years later, guys, and the Lord has granted me my petition, which I asked from him. Therefore, I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. So they worshiped the Lord there. And that word lent is not like here, Lord, have him for a few years. It's returned. It's you gave me this gift. He's all yours. And that's the way it should be. Right. That's what we do as parents. Do we understand that? We have a limited time frame to pour into our kids' lives and affect them. And no one will affect our kids more than mom and dad will. Nobody will. I told my son last night, we were talking about best friends. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm not trying to be my kid's buddy, but I told him something. I said, I asked him who his best friend was. Didn't really have a great answer. And I said, look, I want to tell you something right now. I am your best friend. You see what me and Papa have? You know, my dad? I said, my papa and me have a relationship. My papa has loved me through more crap than anybody else in the world. And that's the kind of love that I have for you. And I look at papa now as my, my best friend, right? That's what we can have too. Though I'm going to tell you what to do <laughs> for a while here yet. <laughs> but I'm going to seek to influence him, right? And that's what Hannah did. Man, it's beautiful. There's a lot there, guys. And what Hannah did. A mom. Talk about a mom that's got her heart right before the Lord and is doing things well. Man, Hannah's, Hannah's it. Even though she, she uh, complained before the Lord, you know, it was hard on her, right? She says, life came from you, Lord, and life, my son's life is coming back to you. Now, I want to say this. Speaking of my dad, sometimes we get this idea that God is a God that loves to keep good things away from us. My dad called me up the other night. He said, hey, I was thinking of getting you a Moe's Barbecue gift card. Moe's Barbecue, if you're from out of town, that's the place to go. Bangor, Broadway, uh, Broadway uh, Street or road or whatever, out of Broadway. You got to go there, Moe's Barbecue. And I said, Dad, you're trying to get me a gift card? What have I done? You know, Is there any strings attached? He said, absolutely not. There's no strings attached. Come on. And I thought, man, that's just like the Lord. To show up and bless you. For no reason other than blessing you. You know what? There is there is one string attached, I think, for my dad. He would love, even if he was paying for it, to come with me. He'd love to come with me. That's kind of what the Lord wants to do. He wants to bless us and be with us forever. He wants that kind of relationship. Now, what time is it? Because my phone is 11 on the dot. Okay, we can make it, guys. We're going to go to verse 10. So Hannah, you know, she drops off her son And she doesn't go, well, there you go, God. You know, why'd you have to steal him from me? That's not what happened at all. She prays maybe second to Mary praying when she she, uh, meets Elizabeth and praises God for baby Jesus growing in her womb. This is maybe the most beautiful, one of the most beautiful prayers offered up by a woman. And again, it's honest, guys. Hannah prayed and said, my heart rejoices in the Lord. She's thankful to give her son away. That's crazy. That is the work of God in her heart. She says, my horn or my strength is exalted in the Lord. I smile at my enemies. Who do you think she's talking about? I smile at my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. No one is holy like the Lord. What she's saying is nobody could have done this for me except God. My husband couldn't do it. You know, my my other rival wife couldn't do it. No friend could do it. It's the Lord. Only the Lord is holy. There's none besides you, nor is there any rock like our God. And again, she's talking about Peninnah here, guys. Talk no no more so very proudly. Let no arrogance come from your mouth, for the Lord is the God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. All those years of being told, you're forgotten. You're not cared about. He doesn't care for you. You've made too many mistakes, right? No, she says... The Lord is a God of knowledge, and by Him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty men are broken, and yet, I'm going to add that, and yet those who stumbled are girded with strength. Hey, that's my life story. I've stumbled a lot, and yet the Lord continues to gird me with strength. Hope you can admit that. Hope that's your life too. We stumble, but if we're righteous, we'll stumble. Though we stumble seven times, We will get back up and we will keep going after the God of grace that forgave us in the first place. Remember, our relationship with the Lord started with what? Confession. How's it going to go forward? Confession. Humility. He opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. That's kind of the spirit of her prayer. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, and the hungry have ceased to hunger. Even the barren has born seven, and she who has become children, she who has many children, Has become feeble now Hannah is gonna go on we're gonna find this out later she's gonna have five kids total and uh, that's amazing that's amazing to me right it's not just Samuel it's a whole lot more that the Lord wants to do in her life you know my sister Marion and her husband couldn't have kids and they prayed for five years that they could and they never had a biological natural born kid but for each year that they prayed, after five years, God gave them, through foster care and then adoption, five children. One for each of the years that they prayed. And they've got a great big family, and they're in Maine right now, down in Bangor. Um, too good to come up here, but anyway. No, hanging with my sister, doing what they should do. Um, but man, I almost want to tell this story just because, but my sister... She went into the, the uh, what's the the doctor, the baby doctor. What's that called? Uh, obstetrician. Yeah, it was during that process, during those five years. And she said she went in one time. She sat down and this like 16-year-old girl came in, sat next to her. just Just a few months along. So my sister said, hey, I see you're pregnant. The girl goes, yeah, but I'm here to end that. And my sister was like halfway through this adoption process, but they were still trying to figure out, you know, Anyway, my sister had an opportunity to tell her about the good things God had done in her life, even though she couldn't have children, and that there are people out there that would be desperate to raise that baby because they couldn't have one of their own. Most importantly, she told her about the Lord. Even through her anguish and, you know, that that hardship that she'd gone through, God gave her this opportunity, just dropped it on her lap. We, We don't know what happened to that girl, but wouldn't it be just like the Lord... To have used that to preserve life in that girl's life. And whether she kept the baby or not. We don't know. There's an opportunity given to my sister by the Lord. Look, I love verse 6, 7, and 8. And uh, give me some liberty here. Because I may be reading it wrong. But it says, The Lord kills and he makes alive. He brings down to the grave and he brings up. And the Lord makes poor and he makes rich. He brings low and lifts up. Look, I read that fast because we're running out of time. But God is not arbitrary. He's not like, to this guy, I'm going to give great things, and to you over there, I don't really like you, and never did. You know, He's not a partial God. He doesn't show partiality. Look, the Lord kills and makes alive. Here's my here's my reality, and whether I'm reading into these, maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm right. Take it or leave it. The Lord sometimes causes a dream to die, to bring that dream back again and resurrect it in a beautiful way that's way beyond what you think could have ever happened. You know, the Lord sometimes kills to make alive. The Lord sometimes brings us down to the grave even to bring us up. The Lord makes poor at times to make us truly rich. And the Lord brings low, right? Think about salvation even, to lift up. He raises the poor from the dust, and He lifts the beggar from the ash heap. Better to relate with the poor, beggared, the dying, the uh, impoverished, the low. Man, better to be there, because the Lord's eyes are on you. He lifts the beggar from the ash heap to set them among princes. Man, that's what He's going to do. That's what He's doing right now. And that's what He's going to do into eternity. He's preparing us for a role we could not even really see or fathom right now. He's like Hannah pouring into her little boy. That's the way the Lord is pouring into us, right? To set them among princes and make them inherit the throne of glory. Who's on the throne of glory? What what ultimately do we get? We get him. We get him. For uh, For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and he has set the world upon them. He made the world. He will guard the feet of his saints but the wicked shall be silent in darkness. Hopefully Peninnah repented of all the wicked evil things she said. We don't know that she did. Maybe she just went silent. Maybe she just said nothing, right? For by strength, if there was a verse for today, it's there, for by strength no man shall prevail. You ain't gonna save yourself. You ain't gonna make your barrenness go away. Cry out to the Lord in poverty of spirit, and he will hear you and he will help you. May not be the way that you want him to operate, but he's listening and his heart is for you. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken in pieces. From heaven he will thunder against them. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth and he will give strength to his king. This is the coming king. This is King Jesus. This is the son of David. You see, Samuel is the guy that pours oil on David. And David is the guy that God is going to say, Hey, your kingdom will never come to an end. And one will come after you, and he will rule over the entire earth. And that was not Solomon, though Solomon had a big kingdom. That was the son of David. That was Jesus Christ. This story is going somewhere. It's all going to be about Jesus, guys. And Hannah is playing a part. She doesn't even really understand the wholeness of the picture. She's playing a part and bringing about the Messiah. And he will give strength to the king, to his king, and exalt the horn of his anointing. Then Elkanah went to his house at Ramah, but the child ministered to the Lord before Eli the priest. Can children minister to the Lord? Oh yeah, they can. Oh yes, they can. Anybody that's low, that's humble, that's just given back to the Lord for what he's given us in the first place can minister to the Lord, to bless the Lord. And uh, Samuel, little Samuel is going to grow up. His mom's still going to play a role in his life, but he's going to grow up amongst a corrupt high priest and two filthy men, Hophni and Phinehas. And he's going to stand apart from all the rest, having an ear to hear what the Lord has to say and do what the Lord has has asked him to do. I hope you'll join me next week as we continue. I should have something clever to wrap us up with. But I don't. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the patience of these people, especially those sitting in the beaten sun. And uh, we pray for good fellowship now, Lord. And that what you just said to us through your word, Lord, would be on replay all throughout the week. Because there are things that we're longing and desiring for that seem a long time coming. Maybe we've given up, Lord. But they're the good things that we believe you've promised. Lord, would you resurrect and bring to life those things that are good for us? And, Lord, teach us, Lord, to wait and to be patient and to trust you, Lord. We know some things are going to be made right, gloriously right, not in this world, but the next. But, Lord, we do ask to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. And, Lord, we've already seen it and we'll see more of it. We pray this in your precious name. Amen. Hey, grace and peace, guys.